Welcome to the Braemar Life Skills Academy podcast. The world is changing faster than ever, and the world of education is too. Advances in psychology, biology, and a whole range of other fields have opened up new lines of thought about the purpose of school and how it can best serve a new generation of students. Join me on the Braemar Life Skills Academy podcast every week to explore these new ideas. Welcome back to the Braemar Life Skills Academy podcast. I'm Mike Helsby, Director of Student Experience here at Braemar, and I am very happy to be joined today uh, by some connections from the University Settlement Community Center. I call it the Grange Community Center down at Grange Park, Toronto. Joined by Kate Mossop, Long Pham, and Martha Nguyen. Um, three people who do three different things at Grange, but all of whom have been a huge, huge benefit and a major connection for us here at Braemar, and especially for our students. Folks, I'm going to let you introduce yourselves to the audience, please. Just uh, tell us who you are and, and what you do, and especially um, your role at University Settlement. Kate, I'll start with you. Thank you, Mike, and thank you so much for having us on the podcast. Uh, my name is Kate Mossop, and I am the Director of Community Programming at University Settlement, and I oversee the children's programs, the camps, the after school, a lot of our special events, like our New Year celebration that's coming up, our Grange Festival, and last week we had our We Care event, and I'm so thankful for this opportunity, and we were so thrilled when you invited us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, my name is Long Pham. I'm the Recreation Supervisor at University Settlements. Uh, like I mentioned numerous times, it's always been a dream of mine to be on a podcast, so I'm so happy that I can actually be here today. You did it. <laughs> Check it off. I can feel your giddiness <laughs> across the table. Hi, everybody. My name is Martha. I am the Children's Program Coordinator, and we, like Kate said, we look after all the after-school programs, the camps, summer camps, as well as the youth programs here. Awesome. And I, I've, I've gotten to know each of you, I think, individually at first. And then I think we had our first full group meeting right. just a couple of weeks ago before yeah. the WeCare event. And, and we're sure to talk about the WeCare event uh, a bit during this podcast. But Kate, mm-hmm. I, I met you first. Um, event coordinator. We were doing uh, uh, some volunteering with the Grange Festival last summer. And you and I sort of began coordinating um, with regards to that and then have since followed that up with several events over the course of this past year. And you and I kind of share very similar roles um, in terms of identifying programs that are gonna both engage the, the people who, who we are responsible for, but also reflect them and, and, and recognize their identities. Um, and so I wanna ask you first about university settlement and its role in the community as you see it. What do you do? What sort of values inform what you do? Um, how are you changing, and, and any other direction you want to take that question and tell us about university, university Settlement. Yeah, so University Settlement is a social service agency in downtown Toronto. It was founded over 110 years ago by University of Toronto faculty members, and it was founded as a settlement house. And primarily that's what we do at its core is connect a lot of newcomers uh, with resources, housing, employment, English language training. Um, And there's three university settlement locations in Toronto, but the downtown location is unique because it's the location attached to the recreation center. And at the downtown center where I work, uh, we have the daycare. Um, As Marcia mentioned, we have camps, after school, we have an aquatics program, we have basketball, youth programming, and um, a lot of our community events, like our Grange Festival, um, which happened uh, this 
in August, and we already have the date for next year, um, which we had about 4,000 attendees um, where children, families, seniors were able to engage in free programs. Um, we had cotton candy, popcorn, hot dogs, uh, snow cones, and then we had games. And then most importantly, we had a lot of our cultural um, performances. And Braemar was really a big part of that because they were really our finale uh, with all the uh, indigen, um, Indonesian mm-hmm. sorry, students that um, were able to perform. And so we're really thankful for the partnership with Braemar College and um, a lot of the students that have been able to engage in our programs and volunteer in various capacities um, have really been a great asset to a lot of the programs at our, at our agency. Yeah, that, that um, gratitude is completely reciprocated. Um, and I think it's, it's due to the very, very diverse, open attitude that you take to the types of services you provide. As you said, originally a settlement house really aimed at, at, at providing services for newcomers, of which anyone who knows anything about Toronto knows that we, 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 uh, we uh, are surrounded and, and are ide- identified mm-hmm. with newcomer communities, um, language learning, job identification, housing, etc. Our students, as internationals, as newcomers themselves, are so much more able to identify with the work that you do and with the, the function that your, your center provides. And so as much as there are specific programs that, that we uh, find both uh, uh, entertainment and convenience and, and purpose in, uh, there's also an overriding value system, I think, that our, our school links up with your uh, community system on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Long, I, I think I met you second after I'd, I'd been working with Kate for a while. You came in as a, a recreation director, right? Yes. And um, you've been beyond helpful in providing one of those those most fundamental and necessary services, especially for young people, and that's activity, physical activity, mm-hmm. being mm-hmm. able to go into spaces that aren't always so available in, in a crowded, increasingly dense downtown Toronto. Yeah. Just talk to us a little bit about your role and, and especially about um, what you see as, as the service that's being provided um, to your clients in that role. Yeah, well, I want to first by saying thank you for like the kind words. I really appreciate it. Uh, you know, it's I came in kind of halfway through the year and just took over the portfolio. So I'm glad to hear I'm doing a good job. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so as the recreation supervisor, I oversee the aquatics program because we have a swimming pool at our Grange Road location, as well as the recreation program. So that could be the badminton, the basketball, uh, yoga, which, yeah, yeah, yoga, uh, Pilates. Pilates that we're introducing in winter, uh, strength training, and all the fitness classes that we run there. And I also see oversee the fitness center, so just the day-to-day operations of that. Uh, sorry, what was your other question? <laughs> um, more generally, how do you see these services working and providing value in the lives of your clients? Oh, yeah. So uh, like, you, like you mentioned, you know, especially coming out of the pandemic, a lot of the programs we offer helps them kind of re- helps the people of the community reconnect with one another and get that interaction that we may have not had because we've been socially isolated for the past two years uh, and definitely like you said it gets them that physical exercise that is recommended like 30 minutes a day mm-hmm. so we definitely get them out get them that uh, with our swimming program uh, not a lot of people do have the opportunity to learn to swim so we do offer uh, swimming lessons for all types of levels from beginners to advanced. And 
I think that's a great opportunity uh, just to get kids, youth, and even adults uh, taking lessons to learn that because it's never too late to learn the swimming either. Think Long also introduced a really unique program. We have Family Swim at Settlement, which is not really commonly offered across the city. Um, and that just, it's an, a chance for the whole family to come in at the same time. Yeah. I've never yeah. heard of a family swim. What's that look like? Yeah, yeah so family sw- uh, swim lessons, basically uh, you can have up to four family members come in and take swimming lessons all at the same time. So two parents, two children, or uh, any combination of that. Or grandparents. Or grandparents. They yeah. uh, they all come in uh, for a 45-minute time slot, and they just all learn swimming with one of our uh, certified instructors. And, yeah, it's just great just because uh, some kids are a bit nervous, so they don't like swimming with strangers. So this is a great way to kind of introduce them to the water while also teaching parents how to swim because uh, growing up in my own family, mm-hmm. my mom and dad didn't know how to swim, so they didn't really... Uh, teach me as much and I know I was like a very shy kid at the time so I hated going Mm -hmm. swimming lessons with just like this random person that I see Mm -hmm. once a week Uh, so the family swim lesson is just to basically build a kid have them let build a kid's comfort in the water and as well as developing their skills in water safety and swimming skills so that way uh, hopefully we inspire them to become lifeguards in the future yes, as well. exactly. The it's, end goal. It's it's kind of making me think back to, to my years as, as a lifeguard. Um, I was lifeguarding out in St. John's, Newfoundland, at this massive swim complex. And I've seen the, the range from extraordinarily vulnerable and insecure mm-hmm. all the way to bizarrely, like, remarkably confident. Too confident. Uh, and almost brazen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. <laughs> Mostly in, in the young kids that I was mm-hmm. teaching to swim. And I'm, I'm kind of smacking myself in the head now thinking, like, it's such an intuitive and insightful mm-hmm. idea to, to mediate that vulnerability by having relations there with them. And then you've got the added benefit of, of maybe capturing those, those relations as well and giving them uh, a skill set, which is both both necessary in terms of safety in a lot of cases, but also is also yeah. one of the best things for your body mm-hmm. and one of the most enjoyable yeah. things recreationally. So that good, good on you. That's, yeah. that's brilliant. Thank you. And we also uh, brought in our youth basketball program we're Mm -hmm. also thinking about expanding it to like a youth sport program so that way they try different sport but uh, basically the youth they come in it's a free program they it's kind of like a try it program is that the right that's the right word for it yeah it's like a try it program so they uh, with a coach they learn the fundamentals of basketball and then they can play a little scrimmage with other players and develop like that sense of competition and teamwork through play uh, and then I was talking to Kate uh, earlier, but we were thinking of trying to expand it so that way it's not just solely basketball. Maybe mm-hmm. we can do soccer, uh, badminton, which we already run. We're thinking of bringing back volleyball, which we had in the past. And then uh, I want to talk to you a bit more after this, but uh, sure. I, but I really love the archery idea. So that's uh, something we could look into. So this podcast is turning into a meeting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> let's just start networking, guys. Yeah. I'm so we sorry. Shut the cameras off. We got some to <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, happy to shout out to Ed Wong uh, running Aerosoft Archery. He's come in and done some really cool work with our, our kids and happy to, to pass that along. Yeah. Um, as you indicate there, uh, physical activity is one of those spaces within which I think we can find belonging in communities that we don't necessarily feel um, totally integrated into yet. Uh, it kind of circumvents the um, the language barriers that often exist or some of the other cultural barriers that mm-hmm. exist around our habits. Um, but if you just out offer basketball or in the, in the case of a facility like yours, if you were to only have say the weight room, 
um, you would by definition be sort of uh, segmenting mm -hmm. your, your client base and saying, you know, those who are into or capable of this this activity have belonging here, have space here. Those who don't, sorry, that's that's not something we service. My students mm -hmm. walk in. We we have a gymnasium that that's uh, that is offering. We we often walk in and do half an hour of dodgeball, which for anyone wondering is apparently the sport that crosses all cultures. Okay, there's and anyway. levels. Good yeah, and yeah. levels exactly. Um, if I just offered basketball or just offered volleyball, I would always be segmenting my student base. But when we say we're going to play dodgeball first, and then we're so fortunate to be able to walk into a facility where I can say you can go there for badminton, there for your basketball, mm -hmm. right? There for your. We were learning gymnastics from one of our students last week. I, I did not succeed in my cartwheel, Ooh. but it, it was cool to have the space to try it, right? Mm -hmm. And then those students who want to get a nice workout can go down to your weight room or can go down to the pool. It really is. I, I, I don't use this word lightly. It's a blessing and a gift to to have that that space for such a diverse demographic of people coming in. I want to talk about that de demographic in just a minute, but uh, Martha, you also play a pretty cool and, and pretty different role mm -hmm. at University Settlement. Um, can you just remind us uh, the, the title of that role real quick? Children's Program Coordinator, but I'm also reaching out to connect with youth. So I'll talk about the children's first and we'll talk about the youth after. So for children's programs at Settlement, we have a variety of programs that really connect to kids and families across the downtown core. So we have our after-school program where we do escort from three local schools. We bring them back. We have designated staff to bring the children back safely, provide a snack every day, and then a variety of programs where they can participate and choose from based on their interest throughout the whole week. And included in that would be one to two days of swimming. So they're also learning swim levels as well as cooking, steam activities, um, arts and crafts, as well as computer just coding. computer coding and whatnot, and, and active games in the gym as well. So it's kind of a one-stop shop um, in one week. Everyone participates in something different every day. So that's our after-school program at a snapshot. And then as well, we have our day camps that run during PA day camps, uh, sorry, during the PA days once a month. We have our March break camp and summer camp. So those are full day camps and same thing. They also include all those activities as well as the field trip and swim time. Um, so it's a leisure swim, which is really fun for ki the kids because they get to go in and take over the whole pool and get all the toys in the pool, which they love. And they love cleaning that up as well. <laughs> I, bet. I, 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 yeah. I can see why you're the, you're the coordinator, even just trying to remember all of those. Yeah. <laughs> it takes some coordination. Yeah. Um, you've also been just, just so wonderful in um, helping to recruit and welcome uh, quite a large number of student volunteers mm -hmm. uh, from Braemar. Um, can, can you just tell us maybe, for example, what that looked like for, what, what does it look like in the child care program when four or five of our students come down on a, on a Monday or Tuesday? So we are always outnumbered by the children, even though we have a very um, small ratio, student to staff ratio, it's really nice to have that. However, it's always nice to have extra hands on board. Even though the students might be just a few years older than the kids themselves, they're, they're, they are more of an authority figure, right? So it's nice to have extra eyes and hands on the floor and to help out get the students pumped up with if they're not really engage in a program the the Bremer College students are here to help us bring up that excitement bring up them and get them to participate in the programs themselves they're playing alongside the kids mm -hmm. so that helps when someone's having fun it's more contagious 
I think. And it helps so much having the Bryn Mawr students come in every day to help with the after-school program. We recently had our WeCare event. I know we're going to dive into that a little bit more. Let's, but let's do it right now. Yeah, Tell we can do it WeCare. right now. Yeah. Um, so WeCare has been sponsored by Miller Knoll, our partner in the community, and they've also recruited many other partners. So it's an annual event where the city is invited to come in. Kids 12 and under, as long as well as their parents, are invited to come in to celebrate the holidays through arts and crafts. So each company kind of sponsors a table and they do arts and craft stations across the whole gym. And then it was really, really helpful to have the help of volunteers like students from your school to come in. They were decked out in lime green t-shirts that made it very visible, very easy for everybody to pinpoint because it was mostly everyone's first day at the gym, at the center, um, because it was a one-time event. So it was really nice to have um, your students really visible and they were very much part of the day. We had them come in, sign in, get some snacks. I know it's right after school, so everyone's hungry. Mm-hmm. And then come in and help with everything from welcoming guests into the per- into the event to handing out the snacks, handing out pizza. Um, again, pointing people, like just kind of shuffling the traffic into the gym, into the arts and crafts, as well as cleaning up. We had your star student, I forgot his name. Uh, Florian. Florian Florian Solero shout out Florian he did every single role and then at the end of the event he was mopping the place and we didn't even ask him <laughs> to do that so star student um, just a shout out to Florian again and even our corporate volunteers were when we wrapped up and we did a debrief they also mentioned him as well so we are really helpful like we're really grateful for your for your support and just for this connection because I think with each event that we do um, and we invite you guys to come out we see that um, when we talk and chat about what we can do, there's always something in the meeting, but when students come on site, there's always something more that they add to it. So that's what we, we've been experiencing. Yeah. 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 yeah, and I just wanted to add on, with the We Care event, it's actually a free event for mm-hmm. the community. And the great thing about university settlement is we try to eliminate as many barriers as possible, whether it be financial barriers, language, which is a big one, um, many of the families that we serve are very low income, and part of our role um, at University Settlement uh, is, is to help them access the resources. Mm-hmm. So we provide subsidies. I think over 30% of the children um, in our programs are on some sort of subsidy. Wow, wonderful. Mm-hmm. And um, we also provide interpretation as well in terms of language because we know that's a big factor um, yeah. in preventing people uh being able to participate. And um, when we spoke with a lot of the families who attended the WeCare event, they had all positive things to say. Um, it's just, especially with the pandemic, um, and we hadn't had the event in person for over two years. Mm-hmm. So it was so special to see the children being engaged. And we had that intergenerational component with the youth volunteers and then the corporate volunteers. Mm-hmm. And then also the, the, the children ages four to 12 really that were able to participate in the craft and so it made the event really special yeah we we, i've heard from a number of those volunteers over the last few days as they've come to get their their volunteer tracking sheets um signed and the the, uh, you you mentioned the energy that Mm -hmm. that the volunteers bring and sort of there's there's someone structuring the event and then it's very difficult to be the instructor and the structurer and the energy so we need need these these others to provide that but they take so much energy from it too like they take so much positivity um, there, there's a, a, 
a professor at Stanford named Dr. Stu Susan Weiss who talks about how one achieves belonging. Mm -hmm. um, and she talks about the different steps of belonging involving things like an invitation and an entry and then eventually things like code switching and the ability to, to disagree and, and resolve conflict, et cetera. But the most important piece, she says, when someone is in the process of establishing belonging in a community is contribution. The ability to not just contribute, but be recognized mm -hmm. for contribution. And I, I see you providing that day in, day out in all of the services, whether it's volunteering, recreation, the programs and events. Our students are promised when they come to our school, not just a good education, but to get the Toronto experience. That's right. That's yeah. right. And first and foremost, you provide that for them. They, they see it in the people they work with. They see it in your spirit mm -hmm. as as directors. They see it in the ethos of your facility and your organization. And we're, we're, we're so proud and, and, I mean, so lucky that we can send them walking 10, 10 minutes down That's the road. That's the best part, is it? In, in their bright yeah. green T-shirts <laughs> <laughs> so they won't be in traffic. And and I'm so confident that they are experiencing the, the real and the best of Toronto. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When they work with... Kate, you were just mentioning the, the different clients and uh, the type of people that the university settlement serves. Can you talk a little bit more about what that Toronto demographic looks like, what these students of ours are experiencing as they, they volunteer with these people and, and these children, and um, what maybe what makes the Toronto demographic a bit unique? I think Toronto's extremely diverse. We have people from all over the world coming to this city, and, and really that's what makes Toronto so great. Uh, when the students come, uh, to volunteer at University Settlement, I think they can see the impact that we have on the families that we serve. We continually see kids coming back to our programs. They'll start maybe in the daycare um, as toddlers, and they'll come through our programs even as youth, and they'll continue to volunteer. Um, they can work at the center maybe as lifeguards. Um, they, I worked for the center um, as part-time and then just loved it so much and then came back. And we see that with a lot of kids that have gone through our programs to now kind of come full circle where uh, they started off in the programs and now they volunteer or they're employed by university settlement. Um, we have various committees that they can participate on. And that's really um, what, we, what we strive for. I, I did want to, before I forget it, I wanted to highlight the, the LIT program and mm -hmm. the youth council yeah. that you're also running. Can you talk a little bit about that as well? Sure. Yeah, I'll um, let Martha yeah, go ahead. I can take that. <laughs> um, so earlier you were just saying the sense of belonging, right? So that's why, that's exactly why we wanted to create an LIT program, leaders in training, as well as the youth council. So I'll talk about LITs first. So the leaders in training program is for high school students that want to come and volunteer earn their community service hours in high school. I'm not sure about Bremer College, but for public and Catholic schools here within the Toronto District School Board, for instance, you need to earn 40 hours to graduate. Bremer is Ontario certified. So okay, we're, yeah. We're, yeah, they come in, in some cases are quite surprised. Some of them join us for only a year or two, and yeah. they're like, do I have to get 40 hours during this mm -hmm. year? We expect it's 10 hours per year, but yeah, since uh, since 96, I think that's been the case here in Ontario. Yeah, mm -hmm. so I, I think that's a really, well, it's a very low amount of hours, because yeah. you can do that very quickly, um, but I know, you know, you should focus on school first, and take part in activities at the school, but also to be involved in your community is so important. You will get to know more about your strengths, your skills, what areas of growth you want to, um, you know, fulfill. And I think like being part of commu um, a community center like University Settlement, the students will get a snapshot of 
um, how to be professional, how to show up even when maybe you didn't have a great day, but when you come through the door, you're taking all of that off to come into the program to work and support staff, but also to support the kids in the program and see how those, you know, when you set a goal, how to achieve it. And I think that um, it's been great. We had unfortunately had to run two strike day camps and we had um, due to this strike in the past uh, November here mm -hmm. and we could not have done that without the help of volunteers so it was an amazing effort on both parts both staff um, on our end we needed more volunteers to help us and the families were so helpful uh, grateful I mean to have the support of just not just our staff but also the volunteers so it was really great bridge i think volunteering is a great bridge to get to know the organization get to know the community um what the needs are and what skills you can bring or what gifts you can share with community in terms of youth council so earlier when you were talking about the sense of belonging that's exactly why when i came to settlement kate had asked me to start a youth council here so it's for those 13 to 24 that live work or learn in the neighborhood to have a voice in the surrounding neighborhood and community center in terms of what programs, special events, or activities they want to see. So earlier, like you said, we just don't, we don't want people to just simply walk in the door, look at the calendar and say, okay, um, if activity A is here, okay, I'll go. But if it's not here or if it's nothing of interest, I don't want to go. We want them to have a say and a voice in our programming so that's reflected, like their interests, their current interests are reflected in our programming, our calendars, our special events. If we don't have it already, then they can have a say to, uh, maybe we can apply for a grant and get this project done. Yeah. So we're excited to talk about murals, yeah. maybe in the school with your art director. <laughs> murals and archery yeah. and swim teams. And archery, and yeah. swim team. Yeah, all kinds of stuff. Swim to survive. Mm -hmm. um, some, I think we were talking about some... Um, uh, basic computer skill training yeah. in um, different languages, yeah. which our, our students are, are kind of uniquely suited to providing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, lot, Tons of possibilities that we're excited about in the future. We are excited to have more intergenerational programs, like Kate touched on that earlier. We have a lot of seniors that come during the day, and we have a lot of students that are just 10 minutes away, so after mm -hmm. this podcast, we'll have a second meeting for <laughs> sure. <laughs> Um, just make some notes here. Yeah, we'll take some <laughs> meeting notes right now. Yeah. And um, yeah, with our youth council, we are we're really excited to, again, not just get them involved in projects and special events, but it's also a place to come and get to know each other. So sometime mm -hmm. during the holiday break, we'll be having a skate social. Mm. So we're inviting your students to come out. Hey, and we're, we're going uh, next Tuesday to the Bentway if you want to join us. That's then. exactly where we're going. So you know, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We'll that's, meet you there. That's okay. what we call synchronicity, folks. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And we, you know, we, with the, um, the youth council, what we find is even our youth, uh, the executives on the youth council are youth. And so it's really a space for youth by youth. Mm. And I think mm -hmm. so many times we find all these youth spaces, but they're run by adults or you know they don't engage the youth in what the youth want and yeah. so the idea with our council is um really to create spaces where they can have an opportunity to you know like be themselves yeah yeah and lead their initiatives so yeah. mm -hmm. maybe we say on the calendar okay we have our grange festival 
um, is there anything that you can do? Is there a booth or do you have any skills or anything that you want to share? And it's an opportunity for them to come together. And then we know a lot of them have a lot of even hidden talents. Mm -hmm. And then um, we already have some great ideas for for what they want to do and, and how we can support them. Yeah. yeah. A couple of things that, that both Kate and, uh, and Martha, you've both said in, in the last couple of minutes have reminded me of a... Um, I don't know if you've ever heard the joke about being in traffic and you say, oh, I, c I hate being stuck in traffic. And some of you know, the passenger looks at you and you say, you are traffic. Right? <laughs> like, I, I think of community that way in, in some senses that we often enter a situation and we look at it as though it's something that's happening externally to us, as though it's kind of a, a, a material mm -hmm. item or something that's, that's distanced from us that we need to sort of either fit into or insert ourselves, jam ourselves into wh wh whatever, or maybe not, maybe stay distant mm -hmm. from. Mm -hmm. And we, we forget that the people who are here are the community, right? right? You are traffic. Yeah. And, and traffic is moving and it's changing. And there are accidents and there are bad drivers and good drivers. And there's people who have different ideas of what a good driver and a bad driver are. Mm -hmm. And when you say to yourself, I'm stuck in traffic or that community mm -hmm. dot, 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 you stop being responsive to that fluidity. You stop being responsive to the the, the joys and the challenges of intergenerationality, mm -hmm. the the changing needs and, and interests of youth, yeah. right? Um, it doesn't seem like you folks are stuck in traffic. It, it seems very much like you understand you are traffic, or, or maybe it's better said that you, <laughs> you, you are flowing 100, yeah. 120 <laughs> kilometers an hour down the highway. Um, how exactly does that that value system come about? Uh, you, you're all for for those at home uh, who maybe aren't looking at, at at the camera. You're all young to be managing such a such a a, a vibrant and, and diverse or organization. I think we're all kind of young to be in these roles. How has that that value system been maintained? That appreciation for for flexibility and responsiveness. Well, I think for us, because we were youth not too long ago, we understand the challenges that a lot of young folks face today. Mm -hmm. um, and we can relate to a lot of the, the youth that we try to engage. Um, for me, I, I'm an immigrant. Um, and I think long, you're first generation. Yeah, I'm first generation Canadian here. Yeah. yeah. So we can relate to a lot of the challenges that a lot of the folks using our services go through in terms of social capital, in terms of language, financial mm -hmm. barriers. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really um, a blessing to kind of have that lived experience that we, we understand where a lot of folks are coming from and can help serve our population um, yeah. a lot better. Yeah. Well, I was born and raised downtown, not too far away from settlement, but I didn't know about it growing up. Mm. Um, it maybe was an outreach or accessibility or whatever the case was. There was, there's always, um, you know, families get busy. They don't know about the services that are local and nearby. So I'm really passionate about sharing and outreaching to share all about all our free programs, about mm -hmm. all the special events that we have to the neighborhoods nearby. Um, the schools that we go to escort and bring the kids back to, I went to like neighboring schools to those and uh -huh. I still didn't know about these programs. Um, and coming to work here, I know many family or many staff who grew up in the neighborhood and were previously like patrons of these programs. So it's really um, a full circle. There's one man, his name is Kenny Yip. He was in my position in 1989, um, the children's program coordinator back then. And now his daughters attend our programs. 
So just think about that. Like yeah. that is so yeah. cool to to get to know and just to see that, like you said, when you build a community, it's not just for one stage of life. Um, it's for all the stages. And that's why we wanted to make sure that we had created our youth council, just jumping back to that, because we know that our programs for the kids, they end at 12 years old. That's why we wanted to create youth council for the age that captures that afterwards. Mm -hmm. So there's many kids now when they are kind of nearing the end at 11, 12, their parents are asking us, like, do you have any programs next year for our kids? What, how can we keep them engaged? Yeah. Yeah. And like, uh, I know you mentioned how like we, all three of us are relatively young to be in such a management role, but uh, I think because we've all have similar life experience, right? We grew up with immigrant parents. Mm -hmm. uh, we grew up not knowing all these uh, services that were mm -hmm. available. So that gives us a, a better perspective. Like how can we do things better? Mm -hmm. Like outreaching to community yeah. schools, letting them know like, oh, hey, for, uh, uh, for those that maybe don't, can't afford swimming lessons with the city of Toronto, we do offer subsidy as well as a below market prices. Mm -hmm. um, I know Martha just touched upon it and I wanted to say that as well, but like the minute I turned 13, there weren't really any programs mm -hmm. for youth from 13 to 18 or 24. Yeah. And I was kind of just like stuck at home and I was fortunate enough to have like my family around me and that social uh, support where I can go out with them, go to the park and play. Unfortunately, some youth might not have that um, that blessing. I'm mm -hmm. going to use your word because that what, like family is a blessing. Uh, they might not have that type of social support or friends or family that they can do that with. So creating a youth council and having our youth sports stride program definitely gives them a space to build the connection, uh, add on to that sense of community and be like, oh, like I can go to university settlements and meet new people, play and just kind of get that sense of belonging as well. Mm -hmm. yeah. So definitely like our lived experience definitely gives us that, that, uh, well, experience and a drive and, passion. and drive and connection and knowledge such like, how do we do things better for the youth now? Yeah. 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 To, I want to dive a little bit deeper on, on that point, especially, um, we know we're in a hyper globalized world. Um, mm -hmm. this podcast is especially aimed at, at educators and, and community movers who are asking this question to themselves constantly. How do I continue to improve the inclusivity, the, the diversity, the, the openness of my dot, 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 my, mm -hmm. my school, my community center, my home, my neighborhood, mm -hmm. whatever it may be. Maybe speaking just from your, your direct experiences and, and what you've learned in your roles, what are newcomers or even just those who don't necessarily feel themselves to be a part of a community that they're observing? What do they need? What are, what are the primary needs, whether it's, it's towards belonging, towards safety, any of those sort of Maslow's hierarchy needs? What, what can an educator or a community mover do right now to improve their, their, their openness, their community building? It's a big question. Yeah. So maybe we'll all, add some, we'll all add some stuff to this. Yeah. Um, for me, I think it is, first off, accessibility. Um, for instance, we have one of our staff. She also uses an electric wheelchair herself. So seeing that um, diversity and abilities reflected in not just in staff, as well, like in hiring, as well as in p our patrons coming in, like just clients or people visiting the center just once a day. Um, we want to make sure that the site, the site is accessible. It is welcoming. It's inclusive. Um, our entrances are mostly glass 
doors. It's just for, again, visibility. People can take a peek in if they're too shy or they're unsure of what the building is. And um, the layout of the building, even though the building is quite older, um, we've made sure that if it's accessible, it's, again, inclusive in that way. We're going to be trying to, um, again, add some more murals to add Mm -hmm. to the space and have that reflect the community that's coming into the space. Mm -hmm. So... Um, something that says, like, you belong here. It may sound a bit um, gimmicky, but you never know that that, you know, that message might reach somebody, right, for that one day. Uh, We have a non um, all-gender bathroom as well on the first floor as well. Um, I think also celebrating different cultural events as well is something that Mm -hmm. we strive to do. And, um, like, we have our Lunar New Year celebration coming up. Yes. And we have other... um, special events that we do like for um truth and reconciliation we we had a an event to to recognize that and um support indigenous cultures Mm -hmm. i think also um as educators making sure that we recognize the challenges that newcomers face and and recognize that newcomers may not have certain privileges that other folks who were born in this country have um and then creating spaces to kind of um uh, create more equitable uh, opportunities mm-hmm. for people, mm-hmm. um, whether that's uh, looking at job postings that are multilingual, yeah. um, um, creating opportunities with less cost barriers. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of, in terms of jobs too, so many of the jobs are based on connections. Like, who do your parents know? Who do you mm-hmm. know? And yeah. recognizing that newcomers may not have the social capital or those connections that their Canadian peers may have yeah Mm -hmm. so um recognizing that and also um trying to create equal opportunities for people i think that's something we can all work on and support yeah big time and like a little bit of a um, both from kate and martha but just like simply having someone that's able to speak the language that the person's in right like uh for example a lot of our clients are obviously immigrants and their English isn't the best. So sometimes when they're trying to communicate with either our front desk staff or even myself or Martha or Kate, it's a bit difficult to kind of understand uh, what they're saying at times. Mm -hmm. So having such a diverse staff and Mm -hmm. I'll touch on this later regarding Bramer College and We Care, but having such a diverse staff that's able to be, that's able to speak so many different languages is very beneficial. Yeah. Uh, the reason I want to touch on Bramer College and We Care is because a lot of the families that came didn't really speak English as much. And luckily, Bramer College is also very diversified mm-hmm. in different cultures and languages. And like I've seen them talking to uh, the clients in their native tongue. So that way, it's just like giving them, the clients, a sense of familiarity, right? They're just like, yeah. oh, this person can communicate with me. We can have a conversation. Uh, they can help me out like that. Uh, similarly, like whenever I'm speaking with parents, uh, if I don't have a translator there, yeah. sometimes I'll be I'll look to the kid and be like, "Hey, do you can you speak Japanese, Cantonese, Mandarin, or yeah. Korean, or whatever? Can you translate? Like, I'll speak to your mom. Can you tell her what I'm saying, and then you tell me what she's saying?" And growing up with immigrants' parents, <laughs> I acted as a translator. Yes. Uh, you know, I translated documents, translated uh, dialogue as well. And, you know, I'm not going to lie, growing up, I was a, I was a bit of embarrassed to speak Vietnamese in, in public. Mm-hmm. But as I grew up, I really appreciate the fact that I'm able to speak Vietnamese. So I want to also kind of instill that in the children, be like, listen, it's not embarrassing to be able to speak different languages. 
because uh, I know I did get teased on a bit for for being able to do so. Which now I'm looking back, I'm like, that was very silly. Definitely an asset. Yeah, that was very silly that I thought that because now that I'm talking to a couple of my friends, they're like, oh, I wish I learned Filipino. I wish I learned Chinese when I was younger. And I was like, oh, well, I know how to speak Vietnamese. So, yeah. No, I think it's so much more widely accepted now, being mm-hmm. bilingual, multilingual. It's such a strong suit. We have some kids in our after-school program, and they go to one of the elementary schools that is fully immersive in French, and they just have conversations in French in our program. We're like, please, it's mostly English here, so let's try to uh, make everyone feel welcome yeah. in this space, so yeah. English first. And included in the conversation. Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. But it, it's really cool when you, they can connect with staff that also speak their language mm-hmm. so you, you can see yeah. it the second they start interacting yeah. uh, in, in that that context of safety and recognition their yeah. body language changes yeah, right? yeah they, they're more open they're more relaxed comfortable yeah, yeah. yeah. have a little bit of a smile i i, I think the, the step towards vulnerability requires respect shown on both sides mm-hmm. and when you provide when you say I, we know that you uh, are a bilingual person who may not yet be comfortable completely in english we've seen that challenge and mm-hmm. we've responded to it by providing a, a very multilingual um, staff that's respect being shown which encourages the vulnerability to express needs yeah. which yeah. allows you to recognize needs and continue that cycle of respect and identification yeah. it seems like mm-hmm. there is a a real cyclical res, re, re, how am i going to say recip, reciprocal reciprocity yeah what are those yeah. reciprocity <laughs> i was going for too many um syllables suffixes there yeah <laughs> It seems like that that's really appreciated that you're you're yeah. showing like there's an act of of say bravery where a student comes to your your um, facility and wants to participate in a program they're recognized for that bravery they see mm-hmm. their identity recognized yeah. that encourages confidence further outreach right so we have that yeah. cycle of kind of contribution and experimentation and recognition mm-hmm. going on and on and it just expands because the, these students are going to take that attitude into their university or into their home communities when they return into their friend groups maybe some of the prejudices that Mm -hmm. that lead to stereotyping will be resisted more strongly because of the presence of these kids and what they've learned through university settlement Mm -hmm. um i want to touch on your original question before we have this conversation but like what i think you had asked what can educators or people that are trying to make um things happen in the community do to connect with youth was that the question? Bingo. Um, I think one thing is also like being on top, like following the news, knowing what's being offered or not being offered in the community in terms of um, program services, special events across the whole like um, community around you, not just knowing what's going on internally in your own organization. Um, you should be aware of like what are the local indigenous, uh, you know, groups doing what are the local women's groups are doing shelters mm-hmm. and other resources um bipoc for instance you want to know what all the resources are around you to be able to share that with anybody who walks through your door if you don't have it who can they go to next mm-hmm. so if you become a bank of uh, a wealth of knowledge you can share that with everyone else it's not like at settlement we're not trying to just promote our own services we try to connect with the 519 um all the organizations downtown, City of Toronto, community centers, as well as um, non-municipal um, community centers as well. So we want to be yeah. able to get to know what, like we have Scatting Court just down the street yeah. from us, Cecil Community Center. So everyone's doing an amazing job 
at offering services to their segment of um, the population and mm-hmm. what their programs are specialized in. But we also want to get to know what they're doing so we can promote their services as well. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I think simply just asking the youth, like, mm-hmm. hey, uh, what are you looking for in the program? Uh, again, this is why we developed the Youth Council, right? Because yeah. uh, we try to take more of a person-centered approach or client-centered approach where mm-hmm. we kind of figure out, like, what are your needs and how yeah. can we help you meet those needs? Uh, rather than just assuming, like, oh, you need this. Here's yes. what we're going to do. Yes. Yeah. That that interconnectivity that you were talking about, Martha, I mean, you mentioned uh, as a youth growing up in this neighborhood, you were unaware of the mm-hmm. services being provided by University of Solomon. And so you were not able to be asked, what That's do you right. need? Yeah. Right? There, yeah. There is, uh, as you say, we live in a wonderful um, community in terms of services being provided. And mm-hmm. it is our one of our primary responsibilities just to make ourselves constantly aware yeah. of what's what's happening around us. Yeah. Um, we're going to be able to participate in the coldest night of the year event coming up in February with Fort York Food Bank. That's something that they've done in response directly to our community that I could have been completely unaware of had we not had a few students volunteering with their planting yeah. program in the mm-hmm. summer. Like it had mm-hmm. nothing to do with what what we've now hopefully will turn into a very meaningful experience for about yeah. 30 or 40 um, student volunteers. It's going to be a big event. That mm-hmm. that was that was just interconnection mm-hmm. organically playing yeah. itself out so yeah. that we could identify, pardon me, identify new needs. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the most powerful example I saw that this past year was I'm lucky to, to have a partner who's, who's really connected with um, the Eastern European community here in Toronto. Um, and they told me about the Ukrainian festival mm-hmm. that was happening um, just a couple months ago. And I hadn't paid much attention to that as a, as a, a major festival happening up on Bloor and, yep. and seeing all mm-hmm. the effort that, that goes into it and the real spirit of, of cultural identity there. Thank goodness my partner brought it up to me because I was then able to advertise mm-hmm. here at Braemar and we were able to bring about 20 of our Ukrainian students out there in a year like this for them to see that identity oh, being yeah. raised up yeah. Um, and and to, to see how much support there is for them here, I think that meant the world to them. And it was certainly not owing to, to any genius move on my part or anyone <laughs> else, right? It was just, again, that, that the organic goodness that comes of communication and interconnectedness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But that's also, that's Toronto, right? That's exactly what Toronto is. It's so diverse. Um, there's so many faces in the city and you get to know, you can get to learn and know about so many other cultures that you wouldn't necessarily, you know, interact with, Mm -hmm. even though we are like extremely multicultural, but Mm -hmm. through events like that, we will be able to get to know a new community, a new organization, get to know a new person. It's as simple as that. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to ask one more question before we get you out of here and move on to our our next meeting. Um, (laughs) What's happening in the future? Where do you see... Uh, your role and and University Settlement Community Center going in the next year or even further than that? I I hope we can grow. We can continue to grow. Um, As Martha mentioned, um, we are, we definitely have an opportunity and demand for more youth programs. Um, And like you just mentioned with your story, I think that's really what community is about, is coming together to mobilize a lot of our resources. We're all on the same team and we Mm -hmm. want what's best for especially vulnerable folks and youth and women, newcomers. Um, So given the resources that we have, how to best utilize um, to to make the the greatest impact. What about your programs? 
Yeah, so um, I know in our in our previous meeting, we did touch upon it, how we want to uh, provide kind of like a, a swim to survive program for your students that may who may not know how to swim at the moment. Uh, so some background, swim to survive is basically just a, a program that teaches you the basic skills on how to survive if you ever fall into the water. Uh, and then just providing kind of the basic swim lessons for youths who might not have had the opportunity to do so at um, at a younger age or back home before they moved to Canada. Yeah. Uh, and oh, sorry. This, no, go ahead. Okay. And like Kate <laughs> was just saying, uh, uh, definitely including more youth programs in our recreation, uh, our recreation department as well. So I'm going to be ha- heavily relying on the youth council to help mm-hmm. me with that. They have many ideas up their sleeves. Just be careful. So let's limit it to like yeah. maybe three. <laughs> yeah. we, we've done podcasts in the past about creativity and, and the, mm-hmm. the sort of psychology of creativity. Mm-hmm. And what's very clear is that if you're looking for a well of ideas, go young, right? Go, <laughs> yeah, go, exactly. go to the youth. You're, you're never going to be. They don't know what money is. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or... yeah. No boundaries, right? Mm-hmm. And, and that's what you want when you're brainstorming. Exactly. Um, I, I wanted to flag the, the idea of swim to survive because um, I had a personal experience with this last summer. Um, that really showed me this is one of a great many aspects of life that is so easy to overlook if you're in a more privileged position. Mm -hmm. We we talk about things like uh, riding the TTC comfortably or um, recognizing uh, inaccessibilities that that may not be um, so so popularly understood, like like colorblindness, like providing for for those um, situations. Um, I grew up with ready access to, to swimming. I was given swimming lessons. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we went to my grandparents' cottage quite a bit and swam. And like every kid, I thought that the way I was growing up was completely normal. Mm-hmm. And you carry some of that, that, that prejudice towards your normal mm-hmm. with you into adulthood. Yeah. And so we brought 25 students with us to Olympia Sports Camp last year as a, as a student leader retreat. Mm-hmm. And we did that for a weekend. I was really excited about a lot of their activities, and one of them was a, a swim with an obstacle course, and they had all these inflatables. It's going to be a great time. Big seller. Yeah, yeah, yeah huge. And, and, and uh, you know, it was going to be a big surprise for, mm-hmm. for the students. We got there, and, uh, of course, you got to do your, your little swim test to mm-hmm. get your bracelet to make sure they know you're safe on the yep. dock. 13 of our 25 students didn't oh. feel confident enough in their swim skills to do that. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And that was something I had completely overlooked that yeah. just didn't register because for, for me, of course, every kid swims, Yeah. right? It's not going to be a problem. Mm-hmm. And so, I, again, shout out to, to you and for the, for the identification of that. This is yet, yet one among, you know, the thousands of different needs that may be overlooked if we're not listening, if we're not engaged with, mm-hmm. with our community. Yeah. Um, in terms of my area... Like I said, I don't know what direction it'll take because it's with the youth, so it'll go in many directions, Um, but I'm very excited. I used to work for Settlement many years ago as a swim instructor, Um, and I remember those students, and now they're in high school, grade 10, 11, 12, and they're coming back, and now they're back as youth council members. So it's such a circle because they remember me from the past, and now we got to work with each other in a different capacity where the power is not so much me telling them what to do. It's me supporting their ideas of what they want to do. So it's really interesting, like turnaround of um, what can we do together and how can I help make you, how can I help um, 
give you the skills to make this happen. So I'm really excited. I was a youth outreach worker before this. So getting into this position, it's just that position plus some children's programs, which um, is really fun as well. But it's it's going to be a really interesting uh, next chapter, I think, the next year. Yeah. The way that we're growing the recreation facilities, the recreation programs, mm-hmm. and how we're going to tie that in together. Um, it's going to be really fun. And I think that, again, you can't really... You can't measure how creative youth get. No, so, not. <laughs> and how how much they dream and how much they want to explore, um, not even just the world, but how much they want to explore the neighborhood and the city around us. So, it's going to be very exciting. It's going to be a little chaotic. It's going to yeah. be a lot of fun times, and I hope that we can capture it all and share it with you all. Um, and we'll send you all the invitations and we hope that you bring more students to us we, we yeah. surely will uh well kate long martha uh from from myself and i know i speak for the students and staff at braymore keep doing what you're doing um <laughs> thank you so much i hope you feel their their gratitude and i hope you feel the energy not just that they're giving uh, to your clients and to yourselves but that they're taking from the programs that you and the, and the spaces that you provide for them because their lives are made better here uh, their lives are made safer here. Their mm-hmm. identities are more recognized here because mm-hmm. of you. Thank you also for joining me uh, on the Braemar Life Skills Academy podcast. Um, can't wait to see what happens in the future. And, and <laughs> if, if possible, we, we'd love to have you back maybe a, a year or two from now and oh just see goodness. how things have continued to evolve. <laughs> We're going to check that box twice, Long. Yep. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Sure. This is such a fun experience. Like yeah. 2022 is ending on such a high note. Oh, yeah. So 2023, you can only go up from here, right? Yeah. Let's hope so. Let's We're going to go yeah. into our meeting now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, exactly. We, yeah. we know mm-hmm. the, the next speed bump or, or obstacle is coming, but we're going to stay fluid and flexible, and we're going to keep listening yeah. and adapting. Yeah. Good stuff, folks. This has been the Braemar Life Skills Academy podcast. Signing off for now. Thanks for joining us. <laughs>